Welcome to a special Midlife Pilot Podcast presentation just for the holidays. We're going to give you a little bit of bonus content. I'll make it quick. I just wanted to record a little preamble here to set this up. So we have a pretty active Discord. And so there's a lot of chat and interesting sort of side ventures going on uh, relative to that community. And what a great community it is. In this case, we have Ben, the sage, and Timestamp Tedder, as he is known, talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the different sides of flying that they kind of come from. Ben, the sage, has over 800 hours and has been flying essentially the same plane, a 182, the entire time. Whereas Timestamp Tedder, less hours, way more airplanes, um, so many, and he'll talk about it. So I think it's a really interesting conversation and we thought it'd be worth sharing here. And I think you guys will find it valuable too. Be sure to reach out and let us know what you think. We're not averse to, uh, you know, hey, having guest podcasters or anything else. And so uh, while we're off for the holidays, we thought we'd give you guys something to chew on, to listen to while you travel or while you're huddled in seven degree temperature somewhere, whatever your fate may be on this holiday. But thanks again, everybody. And please enjoy this conversation. So you and I have flown together and you've got, because to make the numbers easy, you've got 800 hours and 799 of those are in one plane. I've got 150 hours and uh, that's among 10 different planes, about six different models of plane. So we, we kind of talked about you know, well, what are the advantages of each? And, you know, you, we've had this kind of partial conversation before about, gee, I wish I was in your shoes. You were, wish you were in my shoes. And, you know, but we, we haven't actually talked about it directly. And so I wrote down a bunch of notes. I know you've got some thoughts and, you know, so the real question yes. is, let's try to convince each other that, that their route is, is correct. No, it's um, your turn. You go first. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll take one really easy here, which is V speeds. Uh, I, uh, I flew three different Remoses uh, on three days, had a day off and then I was going to fly a CTLS. And with that day off, it was like, okay, here's my day to forget everything I know about the Remos and try to study on the CTLS. Like I can't, you know, uh, I'm glad that I wasn't flying them like back to back and stuff, but it was like, you know, I have to get that out of my brain and try to get the next one in. So were the three different Remoses had different V speeds or were they all no, the, the Remoses were the same, uh, but going okay. from that to just the, just want to be clear on that. Yeah. CTLS. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted uh, to you know, So you, you end up rounding things, right? It's like, they pretty much all stall about the same speed, you know, realistically it's the same, you know, um, but, you know, things like the glide are a lot different and, you know, it's like that and, and VX and VY are totally different. Okay. Here's my reason why I think that's a good thing. I firmly believe that when your brain is forced to make those connections and learn those different ones, even if you have to flush the old information, you're actively engaged in your brain. And I do believe you're preventing Alzheimer's. I think that you're staying on top of this and not necessarily that you're avoiding Alzheimer's, but you're actively engaging and, and learning the different characteristics of these airplanes. And while you may 
have forgotten what the Remos' V-speeds are. When you come back to that airplane, or if you were to come back to the airplane, it's going to come back to you in a flash. It's, it's deep in your brain somewhere. And you may think you have forgotten it, but when you get back in the airplane and you glance at the card once, it's going to come back to you. So it just, I, I think it's a good mental gymnastic event for you to do. Yeah. Kind of brain plasticity, just like keeping it fresh instead of one number. And I'm complacent because I know one plane's V speeds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even think about it. I, I have a, I mean, and that's a bad thing. Right. I should be thinking about it. Yeah. So, so when you climb out, you pretty much know the feel of it, you know? Yeah. I almost know the, the angle, the, the, the degree of climb I want to be at. I, I'll look at the airspeed indicator and see, oh, we have a pretty strong headwind on this one and it's slow, you know, we're a little slower than we normally are. Or, you know, it's not as strong and we're climbing a little faster than we thought. You know what I mean? It's, it's, that's all that I notice. Yeah. So, and, and yeah. I should pay more attention to that. Uh, and, and that goes even further in that I've seen our plane flown where they want to climb at 1400 feet per minute, which it'll do, but you're running those cylinders hot. And, and you're running your uh, EGTs hot where you could climb at 900 feet a minute or a thousand feet a minute and cool them down. So there's practical uses of, you know, pay attention to what speed yields certain results as far as engine parameters go. So, but my point is, is that if, if I would pay more attention to that, but I'm, I'm complacent about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you, do you find yourself climbing you out at VX much? Do you, you know, or do you just kind of, you know, have one climb? I, that you're doing? I will do it once in a while just to practice short field ops. Yeah. Um, I, there's a couple of airports around here where I need to climb out at VX and, and we'll absolutely obviously do it there. But, you know, I regularly throw in a soft field landing and a, short field landing just to mix things up, not doing the same thing over and over again, not That's being good. complacent. And, yeah. and I'll tell you this too. Um, the last time I did a short field, I had to pull out my checklist. I've got a, a reference card for all my V speeds and I had to refer to it because I couldn't remember what it was. And it's still the same airplane <laughs> that I fly every single time. Yeah. So it, that I, I guess my overall point is, is you can avoid complacency by putting yourself through those mental gymnastics of having to relearn new V speeds. And, and the way that you kind of compensate for that is by switching things by, yes. by, you know, I mean, there's kind of the, the Mark Wendell geek method of doing your, you know, your maneuvers every, every three months type of thing. It's yes. like, don't, <laughs> don't get used to landing at McCollum and taking off at McCollum and not thinking through, you know, don't be used yeah. to a hundred foot wide runway that's 6,000 feet long. Yeah. Yeah. So just don't get used to that because yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. You got one for me? List? Yeah. Um, I think when you're able to fly a bunch of different airplanes, you improve on stick and rudder. 
just the basics because you're really learning different characteristics from a, uh, from an RV low wing to a CTLS. Yeah. They're, they are not going to have the same flight characteristics and it, it takes some getting used to. I have sat in the right seat of a buddy's RV and it was eye opening for me when he let me take the controls. I mean, it, it was great. I'm not knocking it, but it was, um, such more finer control inputs yes. than a, a sky SUV that I fly. Yes. just lumbering through the sky. So I, I feel like your airmanship, your stick and rudder, man, just gets so much better because you're learning all these different characteristics. I think that's true. I, you know, the uh, the first one or two. Uh, planes that I jumped to was a lot of work. And, you know, as I, as I've been in more of them now, it's like, okay, you know, like I can kind of see what the difference is here. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm good. Right. But you, you realize that there's a difference between them and, you know, it's, you see that a lot in fly chops videos because he flies so many different things. And yeah, if you watched early on in his, YouTube career, how he transitioned to these different ones, you could easily see, you could, it was apparent that he was quick to pick up on what that person was telling him when he was checking out another airplane. And, and yeah. I, I have to believe there's a lot of value in that. Where for me, I think it would take me longer to get checked out in another airplane because I've only flown one, which is, yeah, again, another reason why you can fly so many is because you're going to be more in tune uh, to be more adaptive to what, what, what you're learning. Right. It's not, it's not 800 hours of habits, you know, even if it's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What Um, would you say is the, the the downside of that though? I mean, um, you know, I mean, one of the things is, is I mean, I spent, seven hours in the CTLS and I feel like I can't land it still, you know, um, it's a really slippery plane. So it's, you know, but, but, you know, it's, it's like, man, it just takes a lot longer, you know, and this is, I mean, I guess this isn't, this would be true for you too. Right. Like, but it's like, you know, if it takes you 10 hours to figure out how to land a plane, it still takes 10 hours if you've been in 10 different planes, you know? So, right. Oh uh, yeah. That's a, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It would seem to me, and I'd be curious if you agree with this, you don't get an opportunity to really push the envelope when you really know that airplane. And and as an example, um, when I first started flying, I would always say, uh, if we get above a thousand feet, we'll turn back to the airport as part of my uh, emergency uh, briefing. Uh, and then when I did my BFR, I went up with a, a CFI and we actually tested to see how high. And I did it very comfortably at 700 feet. Yeah. And I think I could probably do it at 600 feet, depending on the airport, wind conditions and everything else. If push came to shove to make them possible turn. Yeah. And I think that's a great exercise. And yeah, I don't know that you'd have the opportunity to do that when you're 
No, I mean, you're you not, know, you want to be much more reluctant to push the envelope, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, as, as you probably saw with that, it's like you want the right person with you. You want to be at the right airport with the right amount of traffic, you know, on the right, right. wind conditions. So it's like just as far as scheduling is concerned, it's tough. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, that kind of brings me to another one, though, which is because that's pretty similar is emergency procedures, right? Like, mm-hmm. man, you know, I, it's kind of the rental car thing, right? Like, you know, you're fumbling. You're like, you know, even if even if you have kind of a standard, you know, oh, engine out, ABCDE type thing, you know, it's still like, wait, wh- where is it? What? You know, it, everything is is just is different. And, you know, the specifics. Where is that fuel shutoff valve? And exactly because it's going to be in different locations and different airplanes and yeah um yeah and you know so i think especially like not practicing emergency procedures but actually executing them i think that that is is a higher risk i i would agree with that because 799 hours in one airplane i feel like i'm ready for anything because i've rehearsed it probably 600 hours in my mind of what am I going to do in this situation? What am I going to do in that situation? You know what I mean? It's when you're yeah. bored and in route in at 6,000 feet and nobody's on the frequency. You're like, okay, well, I got to occupy my mind. Um, what happens if I lose an engine now? What am I going to do? You know, you kind of just, right. It's, um, and you could close yeah. your eyes and you know where the switches are that you're yeah. after, you know, your fuel pump is here, you know, your prop, you know, like, Yep. You know how many levers yep. you have, you know, even those, those. I know types where the fire things. extinguisher is. I know where the fuel shut off. Yep. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. What, what else do you have? Other? Yeah. I, I don't know that I have anything else. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can, I can kind of it, run. It's the cool factor. That's another thing is the cool factor. It is I've been checked out in 20 different. I, I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I think it, it says a lot for your experience. I think, you know, it really you, helped me, um, expand my envelope, you know, um, yep. uh, you know, think about this, which is starting in the RV, which is fuel injected. You have one lever, you don't have carb heat, you don't have mixture, right? Like, which is a great way to start. And then as I kept adding planes, you know, you start adding in, um, carb heat, you know, and then I went to the, uh, to the sky catcher, which has the old style engine. So now you've got mixture too. And, you know great. Like I can handle this a lot better now than at zero hours, you know, like just add one thing every time. So here's, you know, this is one that I wrote that was, uh, that I have noticed and, you know, it's, it's actually kind of a big deal, which is the buttonology, right? Which is, you know, man, boy, I'm glad that I only fly VFR. You know, if you're bouncing around planes, like, and all you have to do is direct two, that's one thing, but man, you know, you try put you know, you try doing any more than that. You know, um, I was in, you know, it's like, uh, and not all these planes have autopilot, but I was in one with a true track and man, I couldn't figure out how to turn it off. I pulled the breaker because it's like, I don't know how to turn off this autopilot where it's like, and then I realized later, oh, you just tap the same button, you know, but, but it's like just that level of confidence going between them, you know, like. Do I know how to use this? Can I program a route? Can I, you know? But that I'm going to spin that around though. 
Mm-hmm. Again, it comes back to that depth of experience. You, if you're going to be a ferry pilot, you need to know how all these different systems work. Um, and, and another great example. So our, we, I use a 430 government port 30 with WAS. And I was flying uh, with a buddy, and, and it was a 172. No, it was a 182 RG. And it had the 650. Well, it's significant difference. It's even though it's made by Garmin. Yeah. It, it's, they're different. It's going from Mac to Windows. I mean, it's, it's yeah. different. So, and, and once you get over a certain level, there's some similarities, there's some bleed over that will help you move from one system yep. to the next. But, but you know, things uh, like, you know, in some of these planes that have the really nice electronics, a CFI will be like, oh, you know, you can actually pull up the radio frequencies on the screen here and then tap and send it over the radio. And you're like, that doesn't help me in, in the other nine planes that I've flown, you know, like, right. it's like. Right. Oh, well, that one's integrated here. This other one isn't. This, you know, is right. You know, so, well, so that's and that you're right. Now, that's a big deal is knowing how everything's wired up because you could be in the same exact air uh, type of airplane, three different ones, and they will be wired differently. Yeah. Knowing which yeah. radio is commanding which gauge. And I mean, you're right. Yeah. Th- that That is a that could be very frustrating. But. Yeah. To spin that back around, I noticed my CFI. He had flown in so many different things when I was doing my no, my private. He he knew in about five seconds how my avionics worked after he played with it for a minute. Yeah, because he had so many different experiences. Again, you're opening your mind up to a lot of different options that are out there, and there's there's a finite number of options that they can do. Yes. So the the more you learn from them, the the better off you're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's like, you know, now I've flown with a handful of different Garmin screens and because, you know, the stuff I fly tends to be screens, right? Tends to be glass. Um, But a couple different Garmin's of generations and I've flown with three or four generations of Dynon, you know, going back 20 years. And it's like. Yeah. And at first it was like, this is, I don't know how to do this. It's so ugly compared to Garmin. And they're like, oh, wait, I get it. Like, okay, here's the advantages of this one, you know, like. Right. And, and that definitely, you know, like, you know, if you went down and you sat in a, in a plane with a, with a modern Dynon glass screen, you'd look and be like, I have no idea what to do here. Like, there's right. nothing, you know, there's nothing that, that's common that you've had. And, you know. Right. It's not intuitive. Yeah. It, it, there's just, you can't, I think this may work. It, and, and that's part of the problem with technology. If you don't know how to do it, it's impossible. But once you learn, you know it forever. But yeah. it can be a real stumbling block. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great example of the keeping the brain plastic, you know, yeah, uh, not baking it in. Yeah. Right. Um, a couple other advantages on the single plane side, and I'll go to the other side of from my notes here. But um, okay, you know, there's a there's a big advantage to to pre-flighting a single plane, 
Um, you know, you, you can argue the other side of that, but man, it's nice to, to know what the quirks are of the specific plane to know, you know, <laughs> how, you know, I was on one of them where it was like, oh man, like it, it's hard to use the gas collator on this. Like you actually have to like, I actually damaged the fiberglass a little bit trying to do it, you know? And it's like, but once it's, once it's one plane, it's like, okay, you can kind of get in a rhythm of all this and, you know, like, yeah. Well, and to take that point even further, it, unusual noises will absolutely jump out at you. Yes. Once you've spent a lot of time in there where if you're new to it, you may not know if that's unusual or not. Yes. But you're right. Yeah. Um, there's been multiple times where I've nixed a flight on a pre-flight because of something that I've seen a thousand times before that wasn't right that time. Whereas if yes. it was the first time I may have nixed it, but it, it would have been a big question mark. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that, that gets into the kind of the, the own versus rent thing is you knew who flew it last, even if it's sitting outside <sighs> and there are risks of that, you at least know what the condition of it was last time. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously you can, you can get, you can go wrong by, by assuming things like that, but, but you know, you know, okay, well, this wasn't here last time, you know, um, right. you know, I don't remember these chips on the wing, you know, like, you know, right. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah, you, you absolutely know it inside and out. And, um, yeah. we have, uh, on the tailplane, we have, um, there was some cracking, and they did drill stops. And if it was the first time flying this plane, I wouldn't know if that would be safe to fly or not. Yeah. But when we, from the very, when my brother-in-law showed me it, he's like, this is what they did. And this is why it's safe to fly. It's been cleared. You know, we've got a logbook entry, yada, yada, yada. But if I did, and it was, you know, done 15 years ago. So I wouldn't have, maintenance logs that went back that far in the airplane to know if it was safe to fly or not. Right. So yeah, you, you certainly do learn the quirks. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of logbooks, I mean, that's the other big advantage, right? Is, is what I call the meta pre-flight, you know, I mean, it's like you, you know that your registration is in the plane and that it's valid and you know, that type of thing, you know, the condition of your logs and, you know, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing rougher than taking a rental plane to a, on a check ride, you know, and <laughs> I, I had to do it at another airport even. And so it's like, I hope I have the logs that are needed here and I hope I've got them tabbed and I hope that, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, yeah. And, and then, you know, going in a plane that you're only going to spend, you know, two hours in, you know, like, man, that, it's like, how, how, cautious do you want to be and how much you know where do you find that balance as to yeah yeah okay a couple of things on the multi-plane side that that i thought of that are that are kind of interesting i think um uh one thing is it means that i've had a lot of different cfis from a lot of different schools right and so wow. it's not just five cfis at the same school the one thing that i really like that that uh is something that, that i need is is the is feedback on 
you know, like I know I only fly with myself. Right. And what happens is you get these initial reactions from CFIs and who say something like, oh, you did really good at this, you know, or um, I mean, yeah. one of them was like, you know, this is how your school does that. That's that's amazing. You know, or, you know, you yeah. need to spend more time yeah. on on this, you know, and wow, you're learning those, as much from you as you are of them. Right. And getting that immediate feedback, uh, you know, it's not the, it's not the please debrief me afterward and they're trying to be cautious about it and everything else, but just getting that, that immediate, you know, reaction to things. And right, right. You know, that, um, you know, that's, it's invaluable. that's, that's, it's so amazing. And yeah. 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 I, um, I am just now invest or, or, or researching my flight school that I did all my private and instrument training in was purchased. Uh, I don't have any desire to use them anymore. And so I'm looking out for these, you know, individual contract CFIs to do my commercial. Um, and that's going to be a completely different experience. At my flight school, when I was doing my PPL, you had a, uh, a score sheet that you had to fill out to before you were on the flight. How many hours do you have in the last 90 days? What's the weather? And you score it. If, I, if you have more than 30, then you get a five. And if the weather, it, the winds are light and the weather's clear, you get a five. So it's one to five. And you they had like nine criteria and you had to have a score of like 30 to be able to go and fly hmm. so if yeah. the weather was bad it's one and you know blah 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 so if i only had five hours uh in the last 90 days and that's a one so if you didn't hit that minimum number then you couldn't fly or you had to do something with the yeah. the chief instructor to get you back over that number which yeah. is is great I, i'm not gonna have to do that i mean i don't need it anymore but I, I thought it was something interesting that I don't think a lot of, I'm sure there's some schools do some version of that. No, I mean, uh, I've only but, heard about uh, that from kind of going from the, the airliner type world, you know, where that's a little more formal and, and, right. you know, yeah, it, that's kind of cool because it, it gets you thinking through the risks of those things before you understand what those it's are. It's a hundred percent correct. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I will say one other one. I think the advantages uh, of, and this is kind of more of the rent versus own, but, um, and, and my wife and I've had this discussion about uh, owning uh, beach property. That once you buy that beach property, that you're you, you're kind of in, uh, uh, beholden to go there every single time, which may be fine for a lot of people. We like to go to different places. And if we had a, a investment property or something, we'd be less likely to want to go to. We feel like we were uh, compelled to go to that one property. Yeah, our plane does a lot of things great. It doesn't do anything excellent. I'd love to be able to carry all five of my family members, me and my three boys and my wife. And if I had an option to rent, granted, there's probably not a lot of beach crafts out there, but it's possible. Yeah. Or a Cherokee Six, or even a Cessna Two Hundred Six, or you know, stationaire. Um, I might want to go a little faster. 
to a destination or I might want to, you know, yeah, retractable gear, get a complex rating and, and, you know, pursue that. Nope. I'm, I'm going to be. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, you're kind of paying double, right? It's like you That's already right. paid for the plane and you're That's paying right. for the rental. Yeah. That's right. So um, I'm kind of beholden to it. I'm not complaining about it, but I am kind yeah. of beholden to it. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it is something that I do think about. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's, since I don't technically own this airplane, I don't have the option to sell it and buying something bigger. Yeah. But my entry cost to it was pretty damn cheap. And, you know, our maintenance bills, knock on wood, have been pretty tame yeah. with annual inspections. So, it's been very affordable. Well, and you point. can you can fly an hour away and leave the plane there for two weeks, and you know, like, you know, where you can't do that with a rental. You know? Right. The, my and, flexibility you know, is going to be a lot lot greater. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. being able to take trips. You know, so I'd like to go flying today. Okay, get in your yeah. car and go fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is a concept. Yeah that that's the only concept I know. Yeah. And yeah. Well, and imagine, you know, I mean, it's like you book two hours for the plane and then you end up spending 40 minutes pre-flighting and that kind of stuff, you know, and it's like, it's like the, that time pressure is not the, the you know, runner in front of you is running late. Yeah. And then you've got to fill up on gas and yeah. you know, yeah. 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 Get it. You know? Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, say thanks to your wife for letting me take the time. Uh, I'm happy to do it. Um, And we'll we'll chat later. And um, let's catch up soon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. See you. All right. Later, man. Yeah.